Hi there, I'm James Dapache and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to have a chat about some parties who want to do things the Chinese way. What are we talking about? We're talking about a parent company and the parent company's chief position is to be a shareholder in its sole asset, which is a subsidiary that operates tourism services in China, right? Tourism subsidiary in China, parent company, that is not considered to be a Chinese entity. In 2010, the CEO and CFO of our parent company are imprisoned. And as you can imagine, this makes the operation of the parent company a little crunchy, a little bit more difficult, and things start to get a bit clumsy. Now the background to all of this is that a, an entity similar to this tourism entity here that does tourism work and a bit of internet work uh, is generally, according to the laws of China, not able to uh, be owned by an entity that is not Chinese. So there's this tension about can a Chinese entity operating in this space be owned by an entity that is not Chinese. And so there are some crunchy difficulties arising in respect of this. And those difficulties progress to a point where a body that's closely linked to the Chinese government starts negotiating with the parent company to buy the shares in the subsidiary. And these negotiations don't quite get to numbers, but, but things are progressing well. And there is a meeting set, uh, essentially, that will be a, a settlement negotiation or a, or, a, or a price agreement or a, a bargain or haggling or however we want to characterize it. There's this meeting set between the parent company, who's going to negotiate the sale of these shares, to the Chinese government-linked entity. Right, so that meeting is set. Now, the background to all of this is that some of the directors of our parent company are considering speaking with an influential person in China. And the view is that this is a person of significant power and influence, and that person might be able to exert that power, exert that influence to try to solve some of these problems that the parent company is facing, including the non-Chinese entity problem, if we can describe it that way. So just as this meeting is set with the government, Chinese government entity, our influential person looms into view as a potential purchaser for these shares. What that leads our parent company to do is to attempt to politely, gently delay this settlement discussion with the Chinese government entity. They do so in an email. The response to that email is fairly abrupt and includes the next day commencement of legal proceedings by the Chinese government ent entity. What does that Chinese government entity want? Essentially, it's challenging the right of the parent company to own the Chinese subsidiary in this tourism internet space, right? Litigation on foot, influential person in the background. What are we going to do about it? Forgive me. Well, what are we going to do about it is one question. What did the directors do about it? Or perhaps more precisely, what did two of the directors and not the entire board do about it? They caused the transfer of the shares in the Chinese subsidiary to an entity related to this influential person. So essentially the influential person on paper has control of these shares. And the purpose of that transfer was to allow the influential person to go about her work in China 
holding herself out, or they use the term optics in the evidence, to have the optics of being the owner of this subsidiary in order for her to go and exert her influence and do things the Chinese way in an attempt to solve these problems. So she on paper, I should say an entity related to her on paper, uh, is the owner of these shares here. But, and we'll come to this point, the suggestion is made that this transaction, this transfer is reversible. We'll come to that, I promise. So things tick over and uh, the influential person doesn't quite exert the influence in the way hoped. And in short, our Chinese government linked entity gets judgment against our parent company. That judgment says in short, parent company, you're not Chinese, so you can't own the shares in this Chinese tourism internet company, so you're out. And that, as you might remember, those shares are pretty much the sole asset of this parent company. So that drastically reduces the value of the parent company, which means that our influential person's uh, offer to buy these shares, that was originally about $13 million, uh, ratchets down to about $2 million. That transfer is complete. The $2 million is brought in. Some value is returned to shareholders. So we've got our parent company who no longer owns shares in the subsidiary. That's gone, that's happened. But we've got these two directors who caused this transfer. Do you remember these two directors, but not the whole board, transferred these shares to our influential person without any money changing hands. Do you remember? Because it, the only reason for the transfer was optics. They wanted our influential person to go about and exert her influence. They wanted her to look like the shareholder. So they made the transfer without reference to the entire board. Our CEO gets out of jail and <laughs> commences the proceedings we're talking about today. On the basis that the two directors who caused this share transfer for no money on the face of it, breached their director's duty. They didn't revert to the board, they didn't get any money. So the court has to say, right, was this transfer of these shares here, and if you're listening on the podcast, I'm pointing to all these different boxes, so um, I can direct you to the video of this if you'd like, but hopefully it makes sense. The transfer of these shares in the subsidiary to our influential person up here, was that transfer for no money a breach of director's duties? What the court did was to work through all the law relating to the making of gifts. And in order to make a gift, you have to intend to make a gift. And what is a gift? It is the transfer of ownership in one thing to someone else for no money. And in essence, if I am to give you a gift, I have to intend it was a gift, and you have to intend it is a gift as well. And because there is a bank of evidence saying, no, no, the transfer is for optics. No, no, it's gonna be reversible, this word that's used. The court says, no, it wasn't intended to be a gift. And so the transaction is reversible. And so there was not actually a transaction for zero consideration. There was a shareholding maneuver, if we can put it that way, for the purposes of optics. And so what was eventually secured, as you might recall, is a $2 million sale price. So that $2 million comes into the parent company in circumstances where that's actually a pretty good price for the shares. And so what the court says is, uh, the, court, the court finds that there's no real loss there. There is no nil consideration transfer. There's no gift made. Now the court goes on to say, but causing the transfer of those shares, remember our two uh, directors acting without the approval of the entire board caused the transfer. Those two directors causing that transfer breached their director's duties 
but that breach was not sufficient to impose liability on them. There was a breach, but no damages flowed in respect of that breach because it was not severe enough to impose that liability. So, what did we learn today? We learned about the complexity of relationships between various entities and different jurisdictions, and hopefully we learned that um, here we had a breach of directors' duties, but the broader factual matrix, all the relevant facts brought into play, uh, showed us that uh, this was a situation where despite the breach, there was no liability imposed, and I hope it was of assistance to you, and I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and another case note. Cheers.